Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a ball! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la mauvaise! Ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. Stanley pour les Canadiens. Le match troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to the Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Marinero on this Monday night. It is uh, the 7th of November, just a minute past 10 p.m. And here we are live on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter. And, of course, tell your friends about it. The podcast is pretty sick. The Montreal Canadiens practice today they will be in detroit tomorrow night where they visit the detroit red wings and then they're back when they host the vancouver canucks on uh, wednesday night and then of course they host the pittsburgh penguins on saturday night that's going to be the week for the montreal canadians there are so many storylines to talk about we're not going to waste any time we're going to get to our guests and i've been listening to you and i'm going to get to the guests and hopefully a little bit longer than i usually do and I'm going to get to the callers hopefully less than I usually do and maybe not as much. And I won't be taking calls for the sake of taking calls because some of them are bringing the show down a little bit and we want to keep a very high standard. You've weighed in. I'm listening. And this is exactly what we're going to do. When we see that a call is worth taking, we're going to take it. And if we take it because we're not sure and it's not very good, well, it's not going to last very long with all due respect. And that's the way it's going to be. It's the show is brought to you in part by 8.6 beer intense by nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. It is 8.6 beer joining us as he does every Monday on the podcast. When the Montreal Canadians don't play is Eric Engels, a sports net. And there he is. What's going on. Are you watching this Edmonton game? Uh, you know what? Uh, no, I'm not. And it's funny you say that because uh, I talked to Agnello uh, earlier today and I told him that um, I just got myself one of those tripods. No, it's not a tripod. Pardon me. It's, it's a TV stand, of course, on wheels, portable that you can swing around and stuff like that. And I'm going to get myself a big screen television right now that I could just put on that stand and I can have it right here next to my desk. So I could keep an eye on the games when the podcast is uh, going on. But I know it's 4-2 for the Capitals at the end of two. What can you tell me, Eric? Yeah, let's just correct the record here. It's 4-2 for a quarter of the Capitals because virtually their entire lineup is completely injured. Uh, John Carlson and Dmitry Orlov, their top D pairing, late scratches from the game. Uh, Ovechkin scored, of course. 
uh, always does, and he's chasing yeah. Gordie Howe on his way to Gretzky. McDavid scored one of the nicest goals of the year. You put it up against, I guess, the other 12 goals that he scored this year. He's in a league on a, in his own. Yeah. Right. Um, but I just – I'm watching this Oilers team, um, which doesn't have Jack Campbell in nets, and he admitted himself he's been playing terrible since the beginning of the season, which is never what you want to hear your starting goalie say, mm-hmm. whether it's true or not. Mm-hmm. And um, – Goalie's not really the problem. It's, uh, I don't, you know, you could have Patrick Watt in his prime playing for this team. Nothing changes. They don't commit to playing team defense. They're losing 4 2 to a quarter of the Capitals. McDavid, who leads the league with 26 points, I think is plus three on the season. Yeah. Um, he's got more than a point per game at even strength. Is this story ever going to change? Like, I know people have chosen them this year to go to the Stanley Cup final, if not yeah. win the whole thing, because I feel like they're looking at the whole window and some of the pieces that came in and just said, oh, it's time. Yeah. But, like, if this team doesn't learn how to win games 2 yeah. one, are they ever going to win? Like, I don't, well, I don't understand what I'm watching with these guys. They, they, they clearly haven't figured it out, Eric, yet, and you're not wrong, because the Colorado Avalanche last year – to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, remember when the Canadians lost to the Lightning, Mark Bergevin said, we were playing such good hockey, but we ran into a club that was able to play it better than we were. And the Avalanche last year, a lot of people doubted whether or not they can close a tight game. And the last game that they won to actually clinch the Stanley Cup, they played as near a perfect third period that you can play. Teams need to learn how to lose before they figure it out. And general managers need to have losing seasons as well before they can figure out how to put together their team. I have a lot of confidence in Ken Holland. I do, even in the salary cap era, because some fell off the the Ken Holland bandwagon with the salary cap. I haven't, but you're right. They don't have enough players that are willing to play for the team. They don't have enough guys who are willing to play team defense. I'm a big fan of offensive hockey. I'm a big fan of offense, period. But more often than not, like if it comes to a one-game big championship, it's the team that's going to play better defense that is probably going to win it. Um, I'm so surprised when they beat Calgary last year. And I don't want to take anything away from them because – they really played a, a gritty series against them. They yeah. won that win. But, like, looking back on it, was it Calgary not rising to the occasion and playing the way they should have? Because they yeah. were able to be much better than Edmonton. No no offense. You know, the, the rivalry itself brings something more out of both teams. But, yeah. I mean, the depth that Calgary is built with, I, I take that team over this team any day. Like, yeah. and, and, I, I, and I think we'll talk we we're talking about the greatest player in hockey, and the guy right behind him in the scoring race is yeah. his, his teammate, Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah. It's just, I just don't understand how this team can continue to play the same way and expect that it's going to win and how people yeah. say, well, it's a question of timing, and now, now they're there. Um, we'll yeah, see. well, they're hoping they're – hoping They'll shut me up. We'll yeah, see. they're hoping that they get three or four goals a game, that it's going to be enough. Anyway, Edmonton not winning is Edmonton's problem. We'll talk about yeah, the Canadians. Yeah, we'll talk about them later. Uh, who didn't win on the weekend, but there's not too many people complaining because I think more and more a lot of people have come to the realization that the Canadians are going to be more competitive than they were a year ago. Um, their young players are playing good hockey, which is encouraging. I mean, does it get better than Saturday night if you're a fan of the rebuild? Suzuki scores two goals. Caulfield has a goal and an assist. And Kirby Dock has three assists, and they lose by a score of six to four. Not to mention that Uri Slavkowski scored, you know, a big goal as well. So uh, is this pretty much what you thought it would be before the season started? Yeah, I thought Suzuki and Caulfield would be appointment television slash appointment viewing if you're at the Bell Center. Uh, they'd make it entertaining. The team would compete because of Martin San Luis and the fact that they've got a number of players that underperformed last year. They would have a bit of a burr under their saddle to try and correct that, some of them playing for contracts. And, yes, productivity-wise hasn't been there quite yet, but you'd expect with the depth they have up front that they will start scoring some goals and figure out some combinations that work beyond the top line. But um, did I expect that the fans would react the way they have? Like – 
I know everyone is accepting and, you know, I want to give Montreal fans credit. Mm -hmm. We've always said this is one of the most educated fan bases in the world of sports, um, particular in terms of hockey. And yes, there's a lot of yahoos in the fan base and we all know that that's okay. It comes with Mm -hmm. the passion level that emanates from this market. But like, there's one thing to accept where the Canadians are at and the route they need to take in order to be successful over years over years. It's another thing to experience it in November mm-hmm. and know that Saturday night was the third loss in a row for this team. And I might be the first person in Montreal mentioning that. Like, I don't know if anybody has even discussed the fact yeah. that it's a three-game losing streak. Like... <laughs> They, well, I mean, it took this long to get there. That's a nice surprise, but they have lost three games in a row. And nobody, I, I don't know about you. I, I've listened to radio, I've, I've listened to television, I listen to your podcast religiously, Tony. Thank and you. nobody has talked about the fact that they've actually lost three games in a row. Yeah. So it's really it's taking me aback a little bit. Well, listen, what I think's happening is. There were there's two sectors of the fan base, or right, or they're divided, right? There's one that wants the Canadians to be, uh, you know, a competitive team as soon as possible, as early as this year, and there's the other side that wants the Canadians to still keep on Not going. To rebuild. Tricycle just scored, by the way. Ah, okay, three. So they don't have problem scoring. All right. I, I had no idea that Eric was such a huge Oilers fan, but anyway, I'm a hockey fan. Good. I'm always watching. It. Always good watching. for you. Good for you. I wish I was watching too. Uh, so. Uh, having said that, I think that sector of the fan base, Eric, that wanted the Canadians to be competitive this year is looking at it and they're saying, hold on a second. 10 or 11 games doesn't make a season. But if you had to say right now, Kirby Doc, a winger or a center, you'd say right now he's more a winger because his best hockey has come on a line with Suzuki and Caulfield. And if I'm his agent, I'm telling him, Kirby, keep it up. I know you just signed the four-year deal, but if you can continue to play with those guys and you'll end up picking up 65 to 70 points a year, in four years from now, you're going to break the bank. Yeah, Tony, with respect to Kirby, who's playing really well, your best hockey would come next to Suzuki and Caulfield too. Uh, I, I, I understand that, but Kirby's best hockey has been better hockey than anyone else that's played on that line this year, yeah. and there's been several players, correct? No, I shouldn't downplay it because, honestly, this is a great thing that's happened, not only for Kirby Doc, but also for Kent Hughes. Because if you talk about all the moves that he's made, which have been largely applauded by the Mm -hmm. Canadians fans, this was the one where he went out on the biggest limb, right? Like, he traded Alex Romanoff, he traded picks, and he went and got a guy who, let's face it, as a third overall pick, had yeah. fallen well short of expectations and had injury issues in Chicago is a big part of the reason of that. And the other part of the reason is just hadn't been able to play to the ability level that Chicago would have expected. And yeah, they were tearing down their team, but they give up a 21 year old kid who you spent time developing and drafted third overall um, for a couple of picks, you know, says how they felt about him. At, at least, I, I, Eric, if I can, I do think a lot of people have over-evaluated Romanov, all right? With all the, like, fine. I love him. That's uh, fine. He hits like a truck. There's no doubt about it. I take That's him fine. on my team any day of the week and twice on Sunday. But the upside of having a Doc versus a Romanov is so much greater because the upside of having a Romanov is mm-hmm. a double. The upside of having a Doc who's going to, who could, if he performs, is a home run because yeah, that's that's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is to say that Romanov had established himself as at least the top five defenseman in the NHL and likely a top four with any team he'd pretty much be going to, and he's a horse. However, they have Gooley and they have Jacki and they have Harris and they have uh, you know other players within the system, uh, even still uh, you know uh, going to um, Struble. You know, pick pick a name. Bottom line is they had depth in the position that they were doing it, where, where they didn't have a guy who, A, is filling in as a top-line winger right now who still has the potential to be a very good center. I think yeah. one of the things you look at with Kirby Doc is that he can make players around him better. Can he make the players he was playing with before he moved to that line that much better? 
the underlying numbers were very strong for him, despite the fact that he had only produced up three points in his first eight games or whatever it is. Now all of a sudden it looks really good for Kirby because he's got 10 points in 12 games, and it looks really good for Hughes too because there's no pressure with the deal that they signed here for yeah. him to light it up right off the cuff. He's got time to establish himself inside his pocket here in Montreal, and you cannot undersell how important it is to come to a new team, a new city, uh, new coach, uh, all these different pieces, and playing with all kinds of different players, how much of an adjustment that actually is. It is a big thing. And yeah. the fact that he's handling it the way he is at 21 years old and performing when he gets that big opportunity talks a lot about the potential you're talking about in terms of him potentially being a home run. I yeah. think he's a bigger home run if he can play up the middle. But keeping him where he is right now, I don't think is necessarily going to drown him out of that development at center. Yeah. He, he's going to gain confidence so that potentially when he gets in that spot, he can make some players around him better because he has the skill set to do that. Mind you, look, I, I would think that if they happen to pick one, two, three, or four, uh, they have a chance of drafting a centerman who I think is going to have more upside than Kirby Dawkin. If that would happen, then Doc can continue to stay on the wing. There's no problem at all. I have to tell you something. When they acquired him, I was excited. I'm still excited that he's on this team. I see a nice potential in this player. Um, I'm hoping that he's going to work out at center. But right now, like you said, there's no rush. But I'm not going to lie to you. For the first time since they acquired him, and I, I've, I've really tried to pay more attention to him than anyone else, especially when he was playing center. And I'm not overly concerned with the faceoffs because – you know, you can always have a winger take a face off or it, you know, or it can take you five or six years before you actually get it in the National Hockey League. But I'm really starting to question a little bit his hockey IQ as a centerman. He kind of reminds me of Galchenyuk in a way where Galchenyuk, I saw him play center and early on I said to myself, He's not a center because he doesn't have the IQ, but, but I also thought he was more of a winger because he had a fantastic one-timer, okay? Doc near, you know, doesn't have nearly the one-timer that Galchenyuk did, but Doc's hockey sense, I'm not sure. Look, we're, we're going – I'm not going to sit here on your podcast and start going through the underlying numbers because, frankly, it's boring, but they're all positive in Kirby Doc's case before he gets the Suzuki line. As a centerman, we're talking about – a an eight game sample for a 21 year old player who's coming over and like i mentioned oh, in you're a new right. city with a new team a new coach, all that stuff i i totally get people's impatience i get why people were talking a certain way because they want to see the production come up you know i spoke to kirby today mm-hmm. and said it's great you know you've got you know a goal and five assists, a goal and six assists or whatever it is in four games playing with those two guys but like if the production wasn't there, are you still as pleased with the way you're playing as you were before? And he said, yes. Like I, and, and I said, you know, do you feel that you've gotten the recognition for that? And he mm-hmm. said, he said, and I love this. He goes from who? And he started laughing, um, you know, saying like, I don't really care if it's from you, Eric Engels, or from you, Tony Marinaro, or from you on your couch at home. Uh, of course, you know, I want everybody to be pleased with the way I play, mm-hmm. but he knows how he was playing. The coaching staff knew how he was playing. His teammates knew how he was playing. Uh, he was playing pretty good hockey. There was a couple of blemishes in the game. His hockey sense, mm-hmm. dude, you said that you were, you liked the player and you were excited about getting him. Yeah. I could tell you that when they made that trade, I thought the potential was huge um, with, with a lot of red flags around it, but potential huge based on, what I saw from this player before he got hurt at the World Juniors, because I remember thinking to myself, this is an absolutely dominant player, like a player that makes players around him better. And I always feel that the players that are have that ability, and it's rare. It is a rare quality. If yeah. you'd say that of Nick Suzuki, I think you'd say it of Cole Caulfield also. Yeah. Players that have that ability can thrive in the middle. And it's been his position for his entire life. Yes. Uh, faceoffs, he'll work at. It's overrated in terms of defensive responsibility at the NHL level, if only for the fact that most systems basically go based on first four checker, first back checker, 
whoever that guy is, whoever that guy is positioned to be, is the guy who takes care of that responsibility at certain ends. It's most often the centerman, but it depends on play. And Martin St. Louis is all about making those reads yeah. to enable those different people to fill those different roles. So, look, I'm not going to make a bunch of excuses for the no. fact that Kirby only had three points through his first eight games, but – you could see if you were really watching him closely and isolated on him, like you said, you just started really watching him that much closer as he got into Suzuki's line. He was doing a lot of good things with players around him, aside from Sean Monaghan, who was quite productive and doing well, um, that not necessarily finishing off the plays. And he's a playmaker first, not a, not a goal scorer. Uh, the Sick Podcast brought to you in part by LaCage. If the last time you went to LaCage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you go back to LaCage. The menu will surprise you. And once again, good evening to everyone watching on YouTube, on Twitter, and on Facebook. If you like the podcast, go on those social media platforms and comment Sick. And if you're going to listen to it tomorrow or whatever, or you regularly listen more than you watch, you can listen, of course, on Google, on Spotify, and Apple Podcast. And please leave us a five-star review we appreciate it. When we don't get the five stars, it makes us a little bit angry. Uh, but then again, uh, you know, if we're willing, you know, we can take it. We really can. If we don't deserve the five stars, we understand. And most of the time, we actually agree with you. All right. Okay. Uh, did you hear what Kyle Davidson, general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks, had to say about Kirby Doc because he was asked about him? Hit me. Hit me. Uh, he was asked about Kirby's success, and he said, I know Kirby is a good player, and I'm happy he's having success. But like you can see, he's performing on the wing with the Canadians. <laughs> well, listen, if he ends up being a better winger and he's able to be a top-line winger, I don't think anybody's really going to complain about that situation. No. Um, you know, the Canadians know he's got the versatility to play both positions. I'm not personally giving up on the idea that he could be a good centerman because um, I, I'm not willing to do that over any game sample. Kyle Davidson got to see him a lot more in Chicago than I did, so I'll take his word for that. Um, he also traded the player for, I don't want to say pennies on the dollar because he's, yeah. he's got a premium pick included in that deal. But he did draft him, or Chicago did, third overall, and spent time developing him and essentially gave him up uh, like they did Alex Debrinkat for way less than what he could have fetched if they had been a little bit patient and proven up his value as a player who's likely to break out a little bit more with the good players around up front in Chicago. So, yeah, I mean, really a, odd that they, traded it's a weird comment. Brinkett. It's a weird comment for him to make. Yeah. Honestly. Really odd that they traded the Brinkat and, uh, and, uh, and uh, doc. It, it almost seemed like, you know what, uh, they want to tank and we're going all in. He added, he added, uh, we needed a centerman for the future. And uh, Frank Nazar uh, basically uh, fits that T to, you know, he, he basically, you know, sure. uh, you know, is the guy that we're looking for type of thing. Well, they did a good job hiring Luke Richardson. He, fits uh, he, the might, criteria. Get, he might get in the way of the tank that's going down there. They're winning yeah. more games than people expected. Maybe. Yeah, so are the Detroit Red Wings, by the way, who are 7-3-2. and two. And uh, we're going to talk with uh, Chris from the SICK Podcast uh, with the Detroit Beastie a little bit later on, actually, probably in about 20 minutes from now. 7-3-2, and two, the Red Wings. They're surprising a lot of people. All right, the big news me, by the way. today is, yeah, it, you know, like Steve Eiserman, Correct. Steve Eiserman brought that culture from the Tampa Bay Lightning to Detroit, and the, the Red Wings are coming along just like the Lightning did. But anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about them a little bit later on, the big one. He also, he also he also brought that line of giants uh, to the Red Wings, <laughs> and a couple of real experienced players that you know yeah. pretty well. At least one of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, the big news of the day, of course, there's a couple of them for the Canadians, but Rem Pitlick is on waivers. So Evgeny uh, Dadanov is uh, is back. He was put on the uh, you know he's put on the uh, injury reserve list last week to be reinstated and so he was at practice today on a second line rem pitlick's on waivers a lot of people are surprised because they expected a dad enough to be put on waivers for example or they expected a drawing to be put on waivers or they expected a um mike hoffman to be put on waivers they didn't expect rem who last year by the way i nicknamed rem the gem but uh, rem is not playing like a gem this year and that's one of the problems 
Yeah. I mean, look, I'd be lying if I said he was the first name I thought of that would be the way to clear up this roster issue the Canadians had. Um, He wasn't even among the guys that I listed as an option to go. Uh, But I'd also be lying if I said it surprised me because, look, he's been in and out of the lineup. He's played seven games. He's got zero points. He has more penalty minutes than he has high danger scoring chances. Um, You know, this is a player that if he's not producing – it's hard for him to stick. And he's also a player that with his skill set doesn't really belong pigeonhole in a fourth, fourth line role. Like mm-hmm. it's not really made for him. We've seen this with a lot of players over the years that if you can play him a bit higher up in the lineup and give him offensive opportunity and give him offensive men, uh, minded guys with him, um, he's creative and he'll make things happen. Um, I think his confidence clearly waned. You see some of the decisions he made offensively where you get into the clear and curl instead of keep going and try to force a defenseman to take a penalty or do something like that, playing too much on the perimeter, relying on his skill um, instead of that grit and tenacity that enables you to kind of pierce through and be that guy. And it's tough to see, you know, and, and, and look, this is performance-based, Tony, because I'll tell you something. He was averaging – around 12 minutes in Marty St. Louis' lineup this year versus 15 and a half last year. But before he came to the Canadians, he had six goals and uh, 11 points in 20 games with Minnesota, averaging nine minutes a game. So we know that in that limited role, he still can produce. So it's I think it's tough for him. He's a guy who absolutely loves the game. He's a total student of the game. His confidence has come down a bit. And if he breaks through and goes to Laval, he'll have a chance to raise it back up. And some of the guys that stuck around here are not going to be here long term. And yeah. that opportunity will open up for him. I, I, I think Rem Pitlick is a great player to have on a team, even on a fourth line, because I think that it's obvious he's not a first line player. Uh, if you put him on a second line, he can give you a performance, a good performance every now and then, but he's not able to maintain it on a third line. Uh, he can he can find the home. There's no doubt about it. But on a fourth line, he goes up against other teams' third lines or fourth lines, goes up against the third-pairing defense. He could surprise them with his speed uh, and his, you know, surprising hands. Now, this year hasn't been a great year for him, but I think he's a, you know, he's a really valuable player to have on a team. He, his contract is very cap-friendly. Uh, he comes at a good age, relatively good experience. And, um, you know, if I'm another team, I pick Rem Pitlick off of waivers. I get it. I get it. And if if I think if you're another team, there's a couple things you need in order to be able to do that. Uh, One is you have to be able to, to, to realize that, you know, well, actually you could look at his contract as an impediment or as a good thing. You know, it's cost certainty in a market where at $1.1 million, if he produces similarly to the way he did last year, there's not much risk in it, and you're locking them in for potentially even better value a year from now. Mm-hmm. You need a top nine spot for him if you're going to do it. Uh, I understand what you're saying about being able to play against third, fourth line guys, but it's not, you know, you see the way he's playing this year. He just doesn't play a direct enough game to be in those types of limited minutes and, and be as effective as he could be playing higher up in the lineup, getting a power play opportunity like Martin St. Louis gave him regularly last year. And you also need enough, you know, you need to you need a team with the cap space and a team with the contract situation mm-hmm. that makes sense to grab somebody for free and a roster spot available. Um, because once you free one up for REM, you've got to deal with the situation on the other end of it, right, if you're at 23 players. So it's, yeah. there's just so many elements that make it unlikely that he'll get claims. I don't know what he's wishing for. I think any player that gets put in his position is hoping somebody's going to pick up the, the, the call and say, we're, we're claiming this player, we believe in him. That's a, a boost of confidence um, that's given to you from the outside that can only help you internally. Um, but if it goes the other way or the more likely way, which he ends up in Laval come tomorrow, I like the player too, and I believe in the player. And I think if he starts playing that direct game again that we saw last year where he takes advantage of that speed that you're talking about and the skills that he has in the hands, Mm-hmm. and actually plays direct and is willing to get his nose a little bit dirty and get to the yeah. middle of the ice instead of curling off and looking for the pass, well, then watch out because spots are going to free up in Montreal. Yeah. As the season progresses, guys will get injured, yeah. guys will get traded, 
Yeah. And spots will, will, will be available to a guy like Rem Pitlick to continue to prove up his value and continue to be the guy who can move up and down the lineup. Pitlick has to do this. He's got to play with passion and energy. Speaking of which, if you're in transportation sales, customer service operations, HR, or admin, well, the good news is Energy Transportation Group is hiring for all positions. Energy Transportation Group offers competitive compensation and benefits, a great team behind you, and opportunities for career growth and development. Join a growing team and energize your career at Energy Transportation Group. I visited them a couple of times, and that's a kind of place – uh, that I'd want to work at. So if those of you who are watching and you're looking for a great place to start a career or to enhance your career, that's the place. Believe me when I tell you this. All right, okay. Speaking of Rem Pitlick, many will say, okay, you know what? Maybe he gets picked up. If he does, no big deal because Slavkowski wasn't here a year ago when Pitlick was. He's here a year later and Slavkowski is in the lineup. So, you know, he'll make you forget about Pitlick. A Uri Slavkowski, who has three goals in nine games, and I haven't looked at the entire list of players who broke into the National Hockey League at 18 years of age. But unless you're a real phenom, Eric, most of the players somewhat struggle in year number one. Three goals in nine games is not too shabby. Three goals in nine games and the opportunity he's gotten and in games where I know people are looking at his ice time and complaining about it, but you also got to look at the fact that the Canadians have taken six penalties in the game. Uh, I mean, this is gravy. More important than the production is he he looks like he fits in. He looks like an NHL player and one who's progressing from game to game. And there will come a point where he hits the skids a little bit and it gets complicated and he's getting rid of the puck too soon and he's getting off the ice too soon and he looks like a player who's just trying to survive. I, I'm pretty confident that will happen. If it doesn't, great. And he continues to adapt and never sees the AHL for a second. What we know, though, is that the Canadians are not going to send him down. The, the Pitlick thing has made it clear because the easiest move for them would have been, hey, mm-hmm. you're right, you know, you're playing okay, but we can give you top minutes in Laval right now. No, he's earned the opportunity to continue playing with the Canadians, so he's staying with the Canadians. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it looks like he needs a little bit of help and to get to Laval and work on a specific skill and work on his game, then they'll send him there. And it won't be a big deal because this is the reality of the NHL now. You know, yes, there are more and more 18-year-olds graduating than there ever have been before. But there are less and less 18-year-olds succeeding like we've seen in the past, A, based on draft quality, B, based on the pandemic over the last couple of years and the kids that have come up without playing a lot of games beforehand. Less development. See, just based on the speed the game is going at, which is increasingly higher every single year. So, look, this has been a gravy experience so Mm -hmm. far for Slavkovsky. And what he's proving is exactly why the Canadians drafted him where they did. Because Mm -hmm. I think the biggest factor in it was his ability to adapt quickly and make strong adaptations and prove – to be better and better and better as he progresses and more comfortable. Um, And I think it's a great situation for them. I would like to see this player play a little higher up in the lineup. I think he's earning it right now. Although I I do like the dynamic between him, Evans, and Armia. That's a good line. He's got some responsible players next to him and alleviate some of the pressure. Um, I was looking at the stats today, um, and people are talking about, oh, you know, he needs to learn how to use his body, body, be physical. Um, he ranks second on the team among forwards and hits, which is a good sign for a player playing yeah. that level. Yeah. Um, that's, speaking that's, speaking you know. of playing a little bit higher in the lineup, I don't know if you saw this today, Eric, but I believe I read somewhere, I hadn't really paid attention to it, to tell you the truth, that the three goals he has, they've all been set up by defensemen. So no one that he's playing on the fourth okay, line. One from Jacki and one from Gooley. Uh, and then I'm trying to I think, think he's got the, one from Harris too. The middle one. Um, could be yeah. Harris, I think. Yeah, yeah. The kids are all right. The kids yeah. are all right because you were talking about three kids on yeah. defense. All right. I, I would like to see. Look, I, I'm not one to get into the coaches' press conferences and start suggesting lines. Never, that's never going to happen from me. Um, I really think right now there's an opportunity for Marty St. Louis to look at his picture and say, "Okay, our first line is going really well." Mm-hmm. John Monahan is an extremely important piece to the Canadians this year. He had a great start to the season. He's gone a little bit colder 
and really not to do with his performance. The players beside him are not finishing off the plays at all. Gallagher and Dvorak have created very good things together and played very well. All the underlying numbers support that. But if I'm Marty St. Louis, I would love to take Gallagher and put him with Sean Monaghan right now. Um, I would like to spark Sean Monaghan. I would like to see Gallagher is creating all these chances, and Marty talked about it today, see him finish some of them with a playmaker like Sean Monaghan. I don't think there's that much of a difference in terms of the skill sets between Monaghan and Dvorak. I don't think Dvorak's game will suffer all that much because he's built up some confidence and he could potentially get something better out of guys like Jonathan Drouin and Josh Anderson, who he's played with before as a line. So I, I just think it would be interesting to see Gallagher get up with Monahan. It would be interesting to see a guy like Slavkovsky join them for a game. Um, you got to make sure that Monahan continues to produce and doesn't go through a long dip mm-hmm. because his value is one of the most important things going with the Canadians this season. As we talk about the development yeah. of the kids, it's also about the value of the other players around. And we can talk about Dadnoff too, who's likely coming back in if you want. Yeah, I, so I want to get to him in just a second. Uh, a shout-out to Playground, who has over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercier Bridge, not too far from the Marinero residence. Only minutes from downtown Montreal as well. So speaking of Dadanoff, he finds himself in a second line. And former NHL coach and former Stanley Cup winner, Bob Hartley, who is a contributor on a couple of shows on BPM Sports Radio, Quebec's number one all-sports radio station. <clears throat> have to get that in. Um, on a show that you're a contributor on, Eric, with Martin LeMay, says... Slavkovsky's not worse than Dadanov. He deserves an opportunity, and he sees Slavkovsky on the second line with Monaghan. Marty St. Louis doesn't yet. We all know that maybe he does, but he has a plan, and his plan is the slowly but surely plan, almost as if to say, um, I'm not going to burn him, if I don't give him enough, but I might hurt him if I do give him too much too soon. So he's giving him a little bit at a time. He's got him on the first unit power play, but your thoughts on Bob Hartley saying he sees Slavkowski with Monaghan instead of that enough. Yeah. Listen, I think Bob is going to be right soon, you know, like, um, but another side of it on that specifically, look, This player had 20 goals and 23 assists last year. He has played with good players in the league and produced, and he has consistently played a power play role. And when Mike Matheson came to the Canadians and referred to him as one of the best bumper players on the power play in the NHL, um, yeah, there was some tire pumping going on there for a player who he's played with and a former teammate. But, you know, you bring him here, you ask him to play on the penalty kill, and don't really give him much of an offensive opportunity playing on a line with Gallagher and uh, Dvorak, which starts the majority of its shifts in the defensive zone. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not going to make excuses for Dadnov. He could play a lot better. He can play with more energy and tenacity, which is what St. Louis said he wants to find for him. And St. Louis, to me, has done a great job with just about everyone, including bringing Slavkovsky along at the pace that he's bringing them along because it's working. But... I don't think Marty's impervious to criticism on that end, that he can do more to raise the value of Evgeny Dadnov, who could also be a good trade chip for this team down the line. Mm-hmm. He starts putting the puck in it, and he has the ability to do it. And so I don't mind this. I don't mind Dadnov getting a look further up the lineup right now, more of an offensive opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that in time, Slavkovsky's going to get it. And not just in time. Over his career, he's going to get it. That, that is who he's going yeah. to be. That's who he's been drafted to be. And I don't think right now, what are we, 12 games of the season or yeah. 13 or whatever it is, like does it have to happen tomorrow or whatever it is? Look, the Canadians go a couple more games with the, only their top line scoring. You'll see some changes pretty quick. Uh, Marty has not been, you know, too wor- – he's, he's not been – too lazy about making changes when he needs to make them, even after wins. So we'll see. All right. If you're uh, watching right now, if you like what you're seeing and like what you're hearing, hit the like button. All right. How could you not? 
Hit the love uh, button. Yeah, hit the like button for sure, especially if you like what you're seeing. I, I for one, am very relaxed tonight because I spent from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. in my spa. It's a beautiful thing. I'm Were telling you, meditating? you it's, a, it's, it's doing wonders for my life. No, I actually, I wasn't meditating, but I go in, I, I bring in my iPad. Are the uh, bubbles I, all I, natural, Tony? I, natural. I put on my playlist. And uh, I play my music and I sing my songs. It's a beautiful thing. Are the all bubbles right, okay. self-generated or you hit a button? Yes, yes no, 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 they're all self-generated. Okay. Listen, very quickly, because my buddy Chris from the Sick Podcast with the Droid uh, Beastie is set to join me any minute now. Your thoughts on Josh Anderson's hit on Alex Petrangelo uh, and a two-game suspension handed mm-hmm. down on him? My thoughts are I really like Josh Anderson's intensity and he's the number one forward on the Canadians in hits this year. And that's what he should be. And when people say, oh, he's not playing physical enough, like let's calm down on that talk. But my thoughts are he's really lucky he doesn't have a suspension history because that was a terrible hit. And he was lucky he didn't get things for a lot more games because if he had a history, it would have been four or five games, would have been an in-person hearing. Um, Just a really – I'm not saying that Josh Anderson targeted Petrangelo and said I'm going to run him through the boards and injure him. No. That's not who Josh Anderson is. It's not who Josh Anderson has ever been. There's a reason he's never had it suspension in the league but he made a bad decision and 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 everybody says oh they oh washington just scored again by the way what a shocker um uh sorry i got off track don't worry about it everybody talks about the league and they're like i never understand these decisions watch the damn videos that the league puts out okay because they explain this one very very well cut and dry anderson changes his direction to make this hit while the numbers are within his view yeah Um, and I don't want to say this is not Claude Lemieux and Chris Draper. Yeah. But man, like if it's a second more no, on the side from behind, yeah. and if it's and if it's a second more from Anderson and a bit more speed and a bit more propulsion, you're looking at a really devastating outcome with that hit. And he's lucky that Petrangelo was able to bounce back up quickly. Yeah. And he's lucky he got ejected from the game, which saved them another game in the suspension. He's yeah. Lucky he doesn't have a history. Uh, yeah. It's a fair call from the league. And more often than not, I hate to defend the league when everybody's always tearing their hair out and they don't understand what they're doing. But watch the videos, guys. Like, really, uh, if you know the rule book and you watch the videos, you start to understand how they deal out suspensions. And for the most part, they tend to make sense. The rules themselves, those could use a tweak. There's things about the rules that really don't make sense. So... That's all I'll say about that. It's a, it's a deserved suspension, and hopefully yeah. Anderson comes back and continues to play well because I thought he was playing pretty well. And some are saying that Petrangelo turned, and I get that as well. There's got to be a respect thing that kicks Not in. Not at the last second. Yeah, I know, that you, I know that you mentioned that um, he's leading the Canadians in hits, and he has to, all right, because he's known, you know, Josh among Anderson. Forwards. Is, among forwards. Among forwards. Jack guy is yes. Well, Josh Anderson has to be in the category of power forwards in the National Hockey League if you're going to take a look at his game. And right now, he scores a goal every four games. He picks up uh, up like a point every three games. He's got a shot and a half per game. He has to lead the Montreal Canadiens forwards in hits in order to be at his most effective. This was fun. It always is. And I can't wait to do it with you again next week on Monday. All right? He's, He's leading the category by about 16 or 17. Oh, he's running away. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Cheers, bud. There you have it. Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. The Canadians will visit the Detroit Red Wings tomorrow night, the second time this season that they're playing them. The last time they did, uh, they lost. I believe it was by a score of three to nothing. We bring on Chris from the Sick Podcast with Detroit Beastie. That's him, part of the Sick Media family and the Sick Podcast family. For those who don't know Chris, this is your first chance to meet him. It's my first time meeting him as well. How you doing, brother? I'm fantastic. You know, I spent all day saying, you know, to my family and friends. Obviously, I'm in Detroit. You're you're a Habs guy. Yeah. And I go. You know what's you know what's great about this broadcasting thing is two guys can get together late. Well, it's late for me yeah. Monday night and go live without ever ever a, 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 a conversation prior. Just hey, here's two guys, Chris. You'll go with Tony live, and whatever will happen will happen. But I will say, when two guys, two girls, whatever, get strangers get together and talk hockey, yeah. uh, I've had nothing but good things happen. So I don't yeah. see this being. A, a, a bad a bad segment in your broadcast, yeah. Tony. And you don't have to run the whole thing through a program director who's probably going to tell you, no, don't do this, no, do that. You just do whatever you want. This podcasting world is really and truly a beautiful thing. I'm with the Beast himself. His name is Chris. 
And uh, he didn't give me a last name. So I guess it's Chris from the Sick Podcast with Detroit Beastie. And that's the way he wants to be known. You have to check out his podcast on all social media channels. So let's talk Detroit Red Wings. And 7-3-2, and two, who would have thunk it? So far, so good, right? Now, actually, not to uh, bring the show to a screeching halt, but my full name is Christopher D. Backer. If you want my social security number, you can ask me after we're done here. But the Red Wings right now. I don't need a social security number. Just my debit PIN number, whatever you need to. Any chance you can get my son a green card in the States, that would be nice. Uh, yeah, I may, I might have someone, you got to get married, right? Is he of age at least? No, I, I just want him to be a domestic player in the, in major league soccer. Oh, anyway, there you that's, go. Another, that's another story for another day. Hey, a year ago, they looked like they were a team that was rebuilding and you would have thought that they probably would for another year or two. A year later, they look like they're going to be the Tampa Bay lightning 2.0. They have a defenseman who reminds everyone of Victor Hedman. They play a puck possession style game the way the Tampa Bay Lightning do. They have wingers who can score goals like the Tampa Bay Lightning. They have centermen who look like some of the centermen or maybe one day, hopefully. Dylan Larkin is on pace for, what, 102 points this year? Yeah, he's been amazing. And that's, to be fair, I think that the mark of a good team to me is always a good captain, right? Larkin is the captain. We yeah. know what other players have done the sea. Uh, Iserman has done that. Lindstrom has done that. But to me, you know, the captain, it should be your best player, right? Your best leader. And to be fair, when you look through, you know, box scores and, and game scripts on a night to night basis, Larkin isn't even the first guy you, you think of. Granted, he's scoring goals and he's playing well. But to me, it's always about these, these, these other kids these other name guys like the role players right when you talk about hockey it's all about your top six line what's your first power play unit looking like how many uh, minutes is your blue line you know thug stud kind of logging here but to me Dylan Larkin has played this this role perfect and I know this isn't a TV show it's not a reality series but I think Dylan Larkin fits this role beautifully on a team led by Iserman who I I was been watching the the show since you went went live at 10 o'clock and I'm watching everybody comment and and all that and I said, I'm not trying to play games or, or, or joke. I mentioned it on the Red Wings broadcast today, which should be out soon, anytime here. But to me, no jokes aside, Steve Eiserman looked, he reminds me of Michael Keaton back when Keaton played Batman because there's like no emotion on his face, right? He's got a little bit of a five o'clock shadow. Yeah. And he's just, there. no way, if he could be happy, joyous, and free, and he'd still be... He could be upset and about to just really rip you, and he'd still be. This guy is cool, calm, and collected. And think he was the captain as, as I was a child growing yeah. up here in Detroit. So for and, him and to come back, reason, a big reason why the Tampa Bay Lightning's won, you know, the Stanley Cups that they won. And I know that Julian Breezeball was the general manager, and he deserves a lot of credit. But Steve Eiserman went to get Julian Breezeball, was with the Montreal Canadiens. Julian shadowed Steve and brought a lot to the table. Of course, his law experience and his experience with the cap and all that stuff. They formed a formidable duo. Julian went to the right school, learning under Iserman. Iserman learned from Julian Brisebois as well. Then when Iserman left, Julian Brisebois takes over and reaps the benefits, made some very, very good moves himself. But it's very fitting that Steve Iserman is back where it all started for him. He was number 19 with the Detroit Red Wings and their captain, like you mentioned, and he finished his career with the team that he started it with. It was a beautiful thing. And now he has the Red Wings playing this kind of hockey. We talked about Larkin. Kubelik's playing real good hockey as well. Yeah, and as we all, I'm sure, I don't know if anybody listening knows, but Kubalak scored the game-winning goal in overtime uh, last night against the New York Rangers, who, if I may say so, is coached by Gerard Gallant, and he was another kind of uh, role player for the Wings back when I was a kid. So it's nice yeah. to see, that you know, in football, they always talk about the coaching tree, the Bill Belichick coaching tree, and Sean McVay, and ba-ba-ba. What about, you know, like old teams like this? There's there's a ton of, I'm sure every team, like if you're you're a Habs guy, if anybody's in there, a Toronto fan, yeah. We can all we can all mix and match. This guy was here, but but but. But it seems like the Red Wings. You Steve got the ba, 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 ba going tonight, eh? But but but. I thought I, I was know. the well, only one. Who was, I didn't know anyone in Detroit would go with the but but but. Hey, so you have Detroit people saying but 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 too. I thought it was only a Montreal thing. It must be me too, because I I talk about football DFS, hockey DFS, and I, I do short videos, right? And yes. I think that that's that's the draw behind the Red Wings broadcast here. And okay. I, I don't mean to do that, but when you're going, like my mind no, is no, going. No, it's, uh, it's a, Chris, it's a beautiful thing. You can do pa 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 as much as you want on beautiful. this program. Another thing you have to integrate into the show probably is Mimi and Coco. I have that one going too. I don't know if you've heard that one before. 
But, uh, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry, but it would just be two people. It's like Mimi et Coco. Anyway. Mimi et Coco. Yeah. Mi- I'm, yeah, uh, yeah. I was raised oh, in you- an Italian household, so I, I know a yeah. bunch of Italian slang and ba-ba-ba and, uh, yeah. uh, you know. Oh, very, very good. Very good. Hey, listen, seeing as I'm broadcasting out of Montreal, uh, Villa Sal, by the way, to be exact, uh, I think there's a couple of Gada Shenu. That's what we call boys from our province. They got Shenu uh, or boys from our home here. David Perron is one of them. He's third in scoring with eight points. You know what I love about this player who was drafted, I believe, 26th overall in 2007 draft because that's the year the Canadians took a lot of heat for drafting Pacioretty at 22nd. A lot of people from here wanted them to draft David Perron. He's a clutch player, this guy. Big games, he comes through. He's got a fantastic wrist shot. Yeah, uh, another kid I don't know too much about. Uh, you know what? It, it, it may be, uh, not to sound like a jerk, but maybe finally for the first time in my adult life, there's yes. an embarrassment of riches here in the Red Wings organization. And I love the idea that we're getting an original six matchup tomorrow. That's always been my go-to. I hang my hat on original that six. Exist. Yeah, but that doesn't, you know, that's got, you know, that doesn't sell anymore. Does it really? Are people going to watch tomorrow because they're going to say, oh my God, it's an original six matchup. I I'm think so. Gonna, really? I, I mean, yeah. I will. I'm sure you will. I'm sure everybody. The last I well, looked, I'm you gonna, got like uh, 700 people watching. I'm sure they yeah. would. They'd all tune in too. Chicago, New York, Montreal, Boston, the Rangers, and the Wings here. But to me, well, Chris, uh, I, I'm going to watch because I mean, I, I host the Montreal Canadiens podcast, so I'm going to watch. But I mean, I'm not going to watch because it's an original six matchup. You know? Maybe that's the, that's the, my late father was a huge Red Wings guy. I mean, the, the basement ah, was it. all, you know, loaded with, with Red Wings stuff. And he, he instilled Howe? that. Absolutely. He instilled that stuff in me. Absolutely. Uh, that you can go down the list. I even got Tim Shovel Day autograph cards in the basement here somewhere. Wow. The old Red Wings goalie. I mean, uh, we're going crazy here. Going I think down I used to hole. have his hockey card, by the way. He got a pretty nice mask. Yeah, he does, and his signature is beautiful. It's uh, it's been signed on a uh, Opeachy Premier card uh, for about wow. thirty years, and the 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 ink or the the marker has not uh, has not faded, has not scrubbed away. So no, that's but, something I, I, you'll hold close. But you know, the gum, the gum that came in the pack was very good. Yeah, you're going to chew your teeth out really yeah. quick. I we're talking sports cards and all that. When I was a child, my mother worked in a doctor's office. Uh, Steve Eiserman's wife, Lisa, was a patient there. And I remember, I shouldn't say this out loud. I don't know if there's a statute of limitations, but my dad was a uh, say was it, a, say it. My dad was a construction guy, carpenter, and we snuck into the, I had no, I was like five, six years old. We snuck yeah. into the basement and he pulled uh, the file. Didn't want, didn't care what her medical information was, but he wanted the address. And we sent, he said, Chris, write, write a letter to Iserman. We'll put a card in there and then we'll send a return address. And Iserman signed that thing, sent it back to me. And I still have it here in my office. He, oh my God. It's amazing. It was unbelievable. I, it's one of my prized possessions. I, it, you could uh, offer you, me a million listen, bucks it's, it's a, it's and I'd a, still keep it. It's a beautiful thing, but I don't know if this is a criminal offense, but I can't believe you just admitted that. But I was underage. You know, you can't charge an underage boy 30 years after the fact. You were underage. And when we were underage, we all did stupid things. And in your case, it was just finding out someone's address so you can get your hockey card signed. You know what? I've heard much worse in life. Don't worry about it. Joe Valeno, who's a friend of the show, uh, somewhat of a difficult start in terms of putting up points, one goal and one assist. How would you qualify his overall play? Well, it, t- truth be told, you know, when we look at this, the, the last, just really quick, I have a point here. When we look back through the last three games. You, you know, can I, take your time, by the way. You don't have to make it quick. You're looking at guys like uh, Luff or you know Oli Modest playing a ton of minutes. So you get you get all these role player guys that are that are you know doing what they have to do. And we all know, at yeah. least you and I know, that the Wings are, are going through a ton of injuries right now. And there's a lot of goals and points that are yeah. on the bench and on the sideline because they're hurt. We got the guy in the in the you know product not protocol, but he's in the assisted program through the NHL, and we wish him the best. But when we look at at, at Valeno, he would have he's got a prime position right now to really you. Know, you know, batting down the hatches and tying his skates up and really get mo- going and moving. And I truly do believe that happens. But right now, maybe it's the case of it just, I, I don't know how to put this, not overstimulation because you're playing on mm-hmm. the ice. You got to read defenses, coaches mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I don't think that's the issue to be truth be told. I think it's a confident issue, confidence issue. And mm-hmm. right now the wings, I think they're, they're that, that's just starting to build, right? They got blown out by the Sabres, right? Eight to three on Halloween. Yeah. Then they've rattled off three wins in a row. 
last night in overtime. Those are big boosts, big confidence, you know, builders, right? But when you get got these role player guys that being called up from Grand Rapids and the Griffins and they're playing seven, eight minutes and they're actually contributing to stat sheets, that makes you you're right. That makes that makes Felena a, a tough start. Not only I'm not even talking sports betting or fantasy hockey. I'm saying in real life, which I assume that's what you're alluding mm-hmm. to. But to me, he, you just got to get him out there and let him go. We, he's a friend of the show. Yes, he's very soft spoken. He's very I don't want to say timid, but he's not your regular professional athlete in your face. And I'm the best. You know what I mean? That's better suited for football, uh, basketball, and things like that. But to me, Joe Valeno, yeah. it's just one of those things. You just got to do it right. Repetition is always key. Not only if you're broadcasting yes. or writing, but when you're playing professional sports, I don't even play professional sports, and I'm a very much a creature of habit and a routine. So yeah. the more you, the more you toy with this with this kid, and you send him down, and then you call him up, and you bring him on the bench, and you're going, you know, we don't know if you're going to be available tonight, but you could practice with the. It, it just yeah. it doesn't it doesn't. I don't like it, but hey, I'm not the head coach there. I think you just need you know rain, sleet, shine, or Listen. up and down, left to right. You need him just in the lineup. Gets even if it's seven to ten minutes a, a, a game. Get him on the ice, and this thing will connect and fit yeah. because it's already coming together uh, for the Red Wings as a whole and these young kids. So this is the perfect time to put him in. Not a sink or swim thing because yeah. he'll be around, but you, he's just got to get the repetition here, Tony. Yeah, on November 23rd, I turned 50 years old. Up until tonight, I didn't think I ever met anyone who talks more than me. I think I finally did. Uh, Chris, the sick podcast with Detroit Beastie, otherwise known as Pa Pa Pa. All right, okay, let's get back to the Detroit Red Wings. I love Joe Valeno, by the way, fan of the show. He's got impetuous style, too. He dresses as senior Terry's. Uh, Speaking of the Montreal Canadiens and the Detroit Red Wings, one guy who gave the Montreal Canadiens valuable services over the past couple of years was Ben Sherratt, who was traded to the Florida Panthers last year before the deadline. He is a Detroit Red Wing. How is he fitting in in Detroit? Uh, Ben's been been unbelievable. He's uh, you know as a, as a trusted defenseman. I mean that there, no NHL any excuse me I should say any NHL team you know that that's like the foundation of the team. You get some strong blue liners in, and then you can mix and match your forwards and centers and all that. But Ben has been unbelievable, and he's given you said valuable valuable time in his services. He's yeah. doing the same thing here in Detroit, and it's he's been a, a, a great fit, an unbelievable fit, and I'm glad he's here. Him and Oli Mata are mixing and matching. They're yeah. they're on the blue line. So to me, Ben is. Uh, been an unbelievable addition so i thank you for that and, and i'm looking forward to seeing what else he has to so see do they have still a, so young do they have a nickname for Oli and ben at all because uh, back in the day on the flintstones which by the way you seem like you're 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 way too young to have watched but uh, there was an Oli, and it was he is Oli, you are sven he is Oli, you are sven why don't they do he is Oli, he you is ben. ben he is Oli, and he is ben I thought Absolutely. that was funny, that, but that probably went way over your head because you never watched I'm 38 it. years old. I don't know. You're, you know, you never We're not that far in age. We're not that. I'm 38. Well, we are, I'm almost I, I mean, knocking I, on the door of 40. I turned 50 in 16 days, but the Flintstones was the best with Madam Yes and a Judo, a Judo, a Chop, Chop, Chop. Love the Flintstones, by the way. Goggles Paisano was uh, driving up the wall and stuff like that. It's You have to watch it. It's a I will say thing. really quick, Tony, I will say, yeah. you know, we're in t- uh, 2022 and Halloween Everything is always a chance for... Uh, I, yeah, I, I, we got the kids dressing up, and it, the Flintstones are still a popular Halloween costume all this time later. So thought that would make you happy. That That's not over too many people's head. People yeah. are still dressing up as Barney and Fred. Good. A couple of for you here before I let you go, all right? Um, Billy Huso. Here's a name that came up last year with the St. Louis Blues. For anyone who was looking for a goalie, Billy Huso could be had. Billy Huso could be had. Billy Huso's the Detroit Red Wing. I think it's safe to say they got it right with him. Yeah, absolutely. His what last time out, on. his last time out, he pitched a shutout, and that's great to see. And again, I know people in the comments. I don't have a clue. I talk too much. I appreciate that. No, the, they say they don't if, have a clue about the Flintstones. If if there's dead air, we're not we're not making money, right? I, I would like yeah, to say, yeah. but that aside, I don't take offense to any of that stuff. When you look at Huso, it was hold a great on, pickup. hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm following the comments too. You're probably looking at the comments on Twitter. They're saying he does not have a clue about the Flintstones. That's what they're referring to. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have a clue about the other stuff. I can tell. 
I know more about Fred Flintstone and the, the whole family than, than I let, let on. But uh, oh, really? when, we look okay. at, when we look at Huso, it was a fantastic pickup. And earlier yeah. when I was watching the broadcast, you, you, you brought up the Red Wings a few times. Chris is going to be here. And there was a, one guy in the comments it's right there, Raymond Raymond Singh. He was mentioned about, you know, the, the fantastic goalies that we have. Yeah. The Djelkovic looks to be, you know, for right now the guy. But they have so many things coming up the pipeline and draft picks Eiserman has made. But in a team like this, right, you said we are rebuilding. And right now they look to make... Make a, to make a push, to make a run in the to playoffs, or, or just to get there at least. So yeah. right now, Huso is the perfect fit, and him and Nadelkovic can go back and forth whenever Coach Mike Lalonde sees fit, or whenever you get the word from Iserman in the booth, we want Nadelkovic tonight, we want Huso tonight. So to me, both that's the foundation of any good hockey team. Let's call it what it is, right? A, a, yeah. a damn good goalie, a brick wall goalie, is the foundation of, of most teams, and you see in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you know, legends are born in, in between the pipes here. So to me, Huso and Adelkovich, a fantastic one-two combo for right now. In ending, Elder Soderblom, you expect him to break out because, I mean, he's a big man and he plays on a big line and there's a potential there of a breakout player. Yes or no? And does it happen as early as this year? Yes, absolutely, yes. And if I'm not mistaken, it started to happen early. And I think he had two goals in the first three games. But to me, he settled back in. And he's one of those kids. He's six foot eight. Is the learning curve? Does the learning curve not apply to him just because he's tall and he's a monster on the blue line? Uh, no, I would like to say yes and no. But to me, the breakout is is. Is it upon us? I mean, this guy's logging, you know, good minutes. He's getting his stick in there. He's willing to do the work and get scrummy in the corner, give you that old whitewash with the nasty wet glove here. But to me, the breakout, I don't know. Breakout is like, boom, it's there. But may, can there be a slow burn breakout? Can there be like yeah. an extended, like three-week kind of breakout? Because if so, it's it's going to happen any time now yeah. after a, a blazing start to the season, Tony. All right, okay. So uh, the Sick Podcast brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. La Cage and 8.6 beer intense by nature in ending the most important one. And I'm only asking because you said that you actually knew more about the Flintstones than you actually let on. Did you ever get the feeling that Fred felt something for Betty? Absolutely. And vice versa. And, vice uh, and versa. even Barney with Wilma, eh? Absolutely. Yeah, I I do agree there. And back then, what, what when was that? In the 60s, 70s, even the 80s, it was yeah. just popular here. But as adults, I've, I watched some old, like, uh, yeah. movie, you know, old cartoons and old yeah. Disney stuff. There's a lot of underlying issues that only adults could catch on to. But when yes, you grow are. up, you don't go back to watch that stuff. So there was a yeah. lot of weird swinging type stuff between those two, oh, those two couples. So I'm, I'm I'll, I'll leave it at that. There. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. But, uh, you know, I. I just, you know, like I just always had the feeling that, you know, something went on between Fred and Betty and it just, you know, it never, we never really saw it. It never really materialized. But anyway, hey, listen, you're an interesting cat to say the least. Where can people follow you? Uh, give out your Twitter handle and, and talk to them about the podcast. Yeah, you could find me on my personal Twitter is at Detroit Beastie. It's right there on the screen, and then there we I go. cover I cover everything. But I was I was graciously uh, given the opportunity to broadcast about the Red Wings, and that one's pretty easy too. Sick Pod Red Wings. That's that's yeah. with me, Detroit Beastie. My name is Chris. I gave you my full name, Debacker, and I talk on the Red Wings broadcast. It's just wings. I, I do some betting trend stuff, yes. some DFS ideas, and all that. But on my 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 main account at Detroit Beastie, you could find everything under the sun: hockey, DFS, football. DFS. That's a passion of mine. Anything Detroit sports, including the Red Wings, more Good. specifically the Red thing, Red Wings, but everything from yeah. start to finish, baseball, hockey, football, anything sports betting, anything DFS, I uh, let me be your guy, please. Hey, so listen, you are our guy in Detroit. It's Chris from the Sick Podcast with Detroit Beastie, and if you ever get a hold of Fred or Barney, maybe we can make them join the family and they can bring us the Swing Podcast. That would be great. And then maybe yeah. we can get paternity tests on the kids like Bam yeah. Bam. Who, who, that, who's his father? We don't know. And, yeah, I'm not going to we'll take go credit for that, by the way. That comes from Raymond Singh, Singh, sign, sold. Hey, give me a score tomorrow night's game. Uh, I'm going to say really quick. My, I keep saying Montreal's 0-3 their last three. Wings 3-0. They're not going in different directions. It's still too early in the season. But I think the Red Wings are, are riding this new confidence, this new identity that they have. These young kids, you don't know what you don't know. They're never out of a game. So give me the Detroit Red Wings in overtime 4-3. to All right. There you have it. I, I hope you're right in a way. I do hope the Red Wings win. I just hope it's in regulation because I don't want the Montreal Canadiens picking up 
any points. Let's go for the rebuild. I want Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli. Guess who's watching right now on social media and on YouTube in particular? Kelly in Phoenix, because she brings us the sick podcast with Kelly Singh featuring the Arizona Cardinals and talking a little football. Speaking of which, in terms of football game, it's Monday night football with two and a half minutes to go in regulation. The Baltimore Ravens are up 27 to 13 over the New Orleans Saints. On that note, I bid you all good night. Chris, thanks for joining me on the Sick Podcast. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. You're very welcome. Let's do it again sometime. And there you have it. Okay. Leave us a five-star review on Google, Apple, Spotify, message, comment, sick on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And hit the like button if you're watching right now. And if you're watching on Facebook and Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It is the Sick Podcast. Tonight was truly a sick podcast. Tomorrow night, the Montreal Canadiens and the Detroit Red Wings will be sick. And after the game, we're going to bring you some sick calls. And that's brought to you by Playground. And you called. I'll get to them. They're going to be good ones tomorrow. Tomorrow will be another good one. Why? Because this is our week. This is our show. You are my sick army. I love you. I bid you good night from the Sick Podcast. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. 